Bible. If you would please open your Bibles to John 16.33. John uh, 16.33, we're going to get right on into the Word. And um, uh, there is a lot of Scripture that I want to just share with you and encourage you on who God is and, and how he's moving and what he, he is doing in your life, what he wants to continue to do in your life. So I have a tendency to talk really, really fast. Yeah, y'all know that. And so, um, if you miss the scripture, come on, just write it down. And then you, and whenever you're at home at your discretion, you can just begin to read over it and process it. But tonight, what I like to share with you about is that God is able to help you in times of troubles. God is able to help you in times of troubles. You know, throughout your day, you know, you're going to, uh, you're going to have highs of the day and you're going to have lows of the day. You know, but not just of the day of our lives. We'll have highs in our lives and we'll have lows in our lives. We'll have highs in our lives when, when a child is born. You know, when you become a parent for the first time or a grandparent, you know, you'll have maybe lows in your life when you lost a loved one. Uh, lows in your life when, when an unexpected illness or a job uh, loss took place. Life can bring joys and life can bring troubles. Would you all agree with that? And it's not that there's not no one to pinpoint or to blame. Sometimes just, just life in itself. Because of Adam and Eve's sin, we live in an imperfect world. We serve a perfect God. And because he loves us, he sent his son Jesus to restore us back into relationship with him. So whenever we have those highs and whenever we have those lows, God knows that they're coming. But he said, hey, I'm here for you. So you don't have to live in heaviness. You don't have to live with, um, I lost my job. Where is the finances going to come? You know, you know, all of these heavy, uh, heavy things that come in our lives. John 16, 33, it says, in this world, you will have trouble. I didn't say this. This is what the Lord is saying. And you might say, Dixie, why are you talking about troubles? This isn't necessarily an encouraging moment, you know? But, oh, let's read to the end. In this world, you will have troubles, but be brave. I have defeated the world. In other words, yes, you're going to have things unexpectedly come your way. But I am still Jehovah Jireh, your provider. You're going to have hardships come your way. But I'm still Jehovah Nisi, your uh, victory, your banner. Okay, there are three realities of troubles that you and I will experience. Troubles, when I say the word troubles, I mean difficulties, stresses, issues, concern. Any of us have those operating in our lives? We can love God with all of our heart, but do we all face difficulties? Yes, I'm, I'm the only one raising my hand. Do we all face stresses? Yes. Do we all face issues? Or do we all know people that face issues and they're in our lives so their issues can affect us? Hello? All right. All right. Do we all have concerns? Yes. Yes. Here are three realities, though, of troubles. Troubles are inevitable. They're going to come. It just happens. Okay? It's a part of life. Troubles are variable. You have, you have uh, major troubles and minor troubles. You have troubles of health. You have troubles of finances. You have relationship troubles. You know? Um, if you get a doctor's report, uh, that had a negative doctor report, that's, that's a serious issue versus I had my trouble the other day was my washing machine broke. They're both troubles, but on two completely different scales. 
okay? Troubles are unpredictable. Troubles are unpredictable. One moment you're feeling fine, the next moment, moment you got laid off. One moment things are feeling fine, the next moment you got a bad doctor's report. They're unpredictable. Anybody ever experienced those, have those in your life? But the question that I would like for you to ask yourself and just for you to process it and ponder it as, as we continue to go in the word, who will you turn to for help when troubles come? Who will you turn to for help when troubles come? God is a sovereign God. And that word sovereign is not used a lot in our vocabulary today. And so this is what this, that word is meaning, is he is the highest authority. He is the greatest power. And he gives us grace and strength in our troubles. I recently heard a pastor say, God gives us many kinds of graces to meet many kinds of troubles we have. Every trouble, there is a different kind of grace because there's strength in that grace. That yes, I'm in a trouble right now. Yes, there's some difficulties. There's some issues. There's some stresses. But I know God said that they, that they would come and that I would have them. But I can be brave in him as I stand on his word knowing that he has overcome. Amen? Amen. Uh, we're going to look at Isaiah and it is uh, Isaiah 40. We're going to read 10 through 15, 18 through 20, and 25 through 30. And the reason why is because it's good. And it's going to encourage you. It's just so good. As I put one verse there on my notes, I'm like, oh, I got to put second. I got to put the, I'm just going to put the whole chapter because it's just so good for such a time as this. Amen. So Isaiah 40, 10 through 15. It says, yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in all his glorious power. He will rule with awesome strength. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the, the mother sheep with their young. You see the compassion. You see the heart and the nature of God here. Who else has held the oceans in his hands? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed out the mountains and the hills? Who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to be his teacher or counselor? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good or what is best? And the answer is no. For all the nations of the world are nothing in comparison with him. They are but a drop in the bucket, dust on the scale. He picks up the islands as though they had no weight at all. Now let's move down to verse 18. To whom then can we compare God? What image might we might find to resemble him? Can he be compared to an idol formed in a mold, overlaid with gold and decorated with silver chains? Or is a poor person's wooden idol better? Can God be compared to an idol that must be placed on the stand so it will, so it won't fall down? To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Asked the Holy One. 
Look up into the heavens who created all the stars, who brings them, who brings them out one after another, calling each of it, call, calling each by its name. And he counts them to see that none are lost or have astrayed. Oh, Israel. Now pause here for a moment. Where it says, Oh, Israel, I want you to personalize that. Whatever your name is. My name is Dixie. Oh, Dixie. You follow along with me? So personalize that. Oh, Dixie, or whatever your name is. How can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? How can you say God refuses to hear your case? Have you never heard or understood? Don't you know that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth? He never grows faint or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to those who are tired and worn out. He offers strength to the weak and even youth will become exhausted and young men will give up. But those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. They will fly high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. God is a sovereign God. And no matter what troubles that we face, he knows exactly what we're going to go through. And he already has an answer in the making for us. We can trust him and believe him. Even if things that we see, we've never seen before, are things that we're facing that we've never faced before. God still has it because he is a sovereign God. So the question is, how does God want us to respond in times of trouble? How does God want us to respond in times of trouble? If you open your Bibles to Matthew 26, 36 through 46, we're going to take a look at this scripture of some encounters in the Garden of Gethsemane. How does God want us to respond in times of trouble? One is to rely on God, believing he will help me. Rely on God, believing he will help me. Matthew 26, 36 through 46. And this time was coming. Jesus was going to uh, be, uh, the time was getting closer and closer um, uh, for the crucifixion. And he knew that that time was coming. And so the Garden of Gethsemane, he often would go to this place uh and, and would pray and just talk with the Lord to get strength to, um, just to hear his voice. And so this was that moment. Okay. Then Jesus came with them, Peter, James, and John, a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him Peter and the two and Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And began to be grie- and began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, "My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me." And he went he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, "My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will." And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping, and said to Peter. So you, so you men could not keep watch with me for one hour. Keep watching and praying that ye may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again a second time and prayed, saying, My father, if this cannot pass, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, 
let your will be done. Again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them again and went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed in the hands of sinners. Get up, let us be going. Behold, the one who betrays me is near. What I would like to look here in this passage is the phrase, keep watching and keep praying. Here you had Peter, James, and John. They had seen many miracles, walked with the Lord. They were in his presence. And only what he asked him to do was keep watching and praying. Keep watching and praying. What he was saying was, hey, I need you to be, I need you to be attentive and not distracted. I need you to continue to pursue. I know the stresses in life. I know when your body is exhausted, when you're emotionally exhausted, you're physically exhausted, you're mentally exhausted, and you're just done. Anybody ever had those moments? I'm just done. You know? What happens when we're done? We get a little snappy. We get a little snappy in our responses. We get a little snappy in our attitude. Our perspective changes. Woe me, why does this always happen? And before we know it, we can become critical of ourselves. We can become critical of the circumstances because we're tired and we're exhausted. And the Lord's like, listen, I know I've created you, your physical body. But it is imperative that you be attentive and that you come and you sit in my presence. That you come and you talk to me. Because there are things that I'm wanting to do that are bigger than you. And whenever you're in my presence, your your perspective will be clear. Whenever you're in my presence, your attitude will change from negative to positive. The enemy, Satan, wants us to become so busy and weighed down with the stresses that we are physically, mentally, and emotionally exhausted. That we live in a state of sleepiness. We cannot see straight. We cannot think straight, and we cannot hear what God is wanting to speak to us. Be attentive and watch. I'm still moving. I'm still working. I know the enemy is near. I know that the troops are coming. The soldiers, there's torches. I know that there's, that there's attacks against me. But my God is still sovereign. And now is the time that he is using to prepare me for the very purpose in which he has called me to do. And Jesus, I'm going to the cross. Come on, don't lose sight of that. Be attentive. Come on, watch. Be here with me. Pray with me. You've got to build yourself up. Because whenever I go, Jesus, whenever his physical body goes and goes to heaven, who do you think is going to be a witness to me? Who do you think is going to carry that I'm the Savior of the world? It's going to be you. And the time is coming where you're not going to physically see me. Come on, don't lose sight. Don't lose focus. I need you here with me. And they're sleeping. They're sleeping. Every action... Every word that Jesus did, those disciples were seeing and witnessing the sovereignty of God through Jesus. Church today, we are witnesses of his sovereignty of God by his spirit. 
I charge you and I encourage you, go and be in his presence. Talk with him. Worship with him. Not only worship by singing you a song, but it is vital that you and I worship together, whether you're here in church or whether you're online service. Don't let the enemy trap and trick you to validate you being exhausted and stressed, to excuse you from not engaging in church and worship service. The world is seeing and experiencing troubles like never before. And when we are not intentionally engaging in his presence by his word and prayer and the church, then expect the troubles to overwhelm and control your soul with your attitude and your perspective. We can't be afford, we cannot afford to take a nap. Now listen, I'm not talking about scripture clearly commands us to honor the Sabbath day. That's not what I'm talking about. That is a command and we need to honor that. I'm talking about we have got to go into his presence. We have got to talk with him. We've got to sit with him. Because whenever we're in his presence, we're seeing what the Lord is wanting to do in that moment and we'll be prepared for it. And it's going to look a little bit differently than we thought. Okay? So how does God want us to respond in, in times of trouble? Rely on God believing that he will help me. He will help me. If you'll open your Bibles to John 18, 1 through 12, we see the same story in Matthew, just um, a different a different um, uh, way in presenting it because it was a different writer here, okay? And so in John 18, 1 through 12, here you see uh, the Garden of Gethsemane, okay? Uh, Jesus praying, but literally where it says, the one who betrays me is at hand. That's where this part of the scripture is, is picking off. Okay? And so John 18, 1 through 12, it says, After seeing these things, Jesus crossed the Cadron Valley with his disciples and entered a grove of olive tree. Judas the betrayer knew this place because Jesus had gone there many times with his disciples. The leading priest and Pharisees had given Judas a battalion of Roman soldiers and temple guards to accompany him. Now with blazing torches, lanterns, and weapons, they arrived at the olive grove. They're at the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus fully realized all that was going to happen to him. Stepping forward to meet them, he asked, Whom are you looking for, Jesus of Nazareth? They replied, I am he. Jesus said Judas was standing there with them. And when Jesus identified himself, and as he said, I am he, they all fell backward to the ground. Once more, he asked them, who are you searching for? And again, they replied, Jesus of Nazareth. I told you that I am he. And Jesus said, I am the one you want. Let these others go. He did this to fulfill his own statement. I have not lost a single one of those you gave me. Then Simon Peter drew a sword and slashed off the right ear of Malicious, the high priest's servant. But Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back into its sheath. Shall I not drink from this cup the Father has given me? So the soldiers and their commanding officers and the temple guards arrested Jesus and tied him up. So one, how does God want us to respond in times of trouble? Rely on God, believing he will help me. 
He will give me insight. He will give me strength. Number two is relax. Ask God for direction. Now, sometimes whenever we hear that word relax, like, what are you, what are you kidding me? Do you know what I'm going through? Do you know what I'm facing? Look how Peter responded. He immediately went to battle. He immediately took a sword. He immediately, he immediately charged. Sometimes whenever those troubles, whenever those high intensity moments, we'll want to respond, but is it the right response that God wants us to have? My friends, don't panic, don't fight, don't run, don't hide, don't blame. Just ask. Matthew 7, 7 through 8, it says, Ask God and he will give to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be open for you. Yes, everyone who asks will receive. Everyone who searches will find. And everyone who knocks, the door will be open. I like the word A-S-K. Ask, search, and knock. Ask, search, and knock. When those troubles, when those stresses come, and they will come, instead of us automatically going in fix-it mode, us automatically responding how we've responded before, go to the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? And until he speaks, be still. Lord, what do you want me to do? I've never been here before. I've never done this. This is new to my family. This is new on my job. Lord, what do you want me to do? God desires. He says in Matthew, would you come and ask me and search me and you will find me. Would you come and ask me? Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. This key verse is those who love God. The more that we are in his presence, the more our heart will be molded and shaped like him. The more that we are in his presence, the more that we will receive his love for our lives. And so that whenever that trouble comes, because one thing, whenever trouble comes, we want an answer to it. We want a resolve. We want a solution. And we don't want to be by ourselves and we don't want to be alone. And if we know that God loves us and he values us, no matter what I face, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. So here we have Jesus. And when you see where it says a battalion of Roman soldiers and temple guards, in Matthew, if you go over and you'll read back in Matthew 25, uh, 52 to 53, Jesus is also, there's also account, another account of the same story. And Jesus is telling Peter as he's getting the knife and, and he's cutting off the ear, Jesus tells Peter, don't you know that I can call on my father and he will send 12 legions of angels on my behalf? Don't you know that? See, when Jesus and Peter, it's, there was trouble all around. But watch Peter's response and watch Jesus' response. Jesus knew the trouble was coming ahead of time and Jesus stepped right toward it. He didn't run. He didn't hide. There was a confidence within him. And when you and I are in his presence and we're talking to God, that same courage, that same confidence, that same relax, I'm here, is going to rest within us by his spirit. Instead of our response going crazy and cutting off the ear. Now, obviously, we're not going to go crazy and cut off somebody's ear. But just having that 
irrational response. And this is what I want us to look at, just the magnitude of God's ability. When God says, Peter, don't you know that I can call on 12 legions of angels? A legion is a Roman army military term to identify a group of 6,000 soldiers. A Roman battalion of soldiers was between 300 to 1,300 in a battalion. But then you had another type. You'll notice it says temple guards. Some versions say temple police. These were specially trained soldiers that arrived with torches between three to six hundred. They were the, the Navy SEALs, the Green Berets. And what they did was they guarded a 75-foot temple built by King Herod in honor of Mark Anthony. And so they were the elites of the elite. So here, you, if you had an average between 300 to 1,300 and then 300 to 600, what was the problem? They were just arresting one man. Because even the enemy knows that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And so, even though when we receive that doctor's report, even though when that relationship is strained and there is tension, it seems like the enemy is all around us, we can call on the name of Jesus and we can relax and we can take a deep breath that God will give us the right direction of what to do. And so when it says, when Peter, when Jesus told Peter, he says, listen, I can call on 12 legions of angels. This is what he was saying. This is what he was saying. How many angels would there be in 12 legions? If do some, I'm going to do some math for you so you won't have to do it. Okay. It's been a long day. If one legion of angels is considered 6,000 soldiers, then 12 times six is 72,000, right? It is. I did the math. Okay. We look in Isaiah 37, 36, and it talks about how one angel, one angel killed 185 soldiers. So 72,000 times 185, are you ready for this number? I want you to think about this next time trouble comes your way. I want you to think about this the next time you get an unexpected um, uh, situation and you feel like you're all alone, when you and I call on the name of Jesus, there was, thir- if from 72,000 to 185,000 equals 13,320,000,000. There is no earthly army that is big as that. And when you and I call on the name of Jesus, Jesus was saying, Peter, I can have God sent his angels here and and resolve this. But my purpose is to go to the cross. And I know in the middle of this conflict, in the middle of this situation, it's heavy. It's tight. You want to get out of it. But Peter, if I was to get out of this, Dixie, Rex, Susan, John would not have eternal life. And in the middle of some of those, those difficulties and those tight situations, what is God speaking to you on? Is he wanting to do something bigger in you? Is he wanting to do something bigger in your community? 
We're not going to see, have that attitude and we're not going to see that perspective if we're not in his presence. If we are tired, exhausted, frustrated, God wants us not to panic, not to fight, not to run, hide, or blame. Go to him and ask him. Lord, what do you want me to do? Peter would have saved a lot of trouble if he would have said, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? So how does God want us to respond in troubles? Rely on God, believing he will help me. Church, let's be attentive. Let's watch and pray. God, what are you doing? Because God, I know you're still on the throne. I know you see our troubles in my family, in our nation, in our community. And I know that you care because your word says you do, says that you do. Lord, what do you want to do in me and through me? I'm watching. I'm attentive. I'm not going to fall asleep. I'm not going to fall asleep with doubt. I'm not going to fall asleep with weariness. I'm not going to fall asleep with fear. But Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to depend upon you. I'm going to rely on you like never before. And to relax. Ask God for his direction. Okay? And number three, and and I love this one. I love this one. What a battle cry. Refuse to quit and remember God's promises. Man, troubles can just be... It can just drain us sometimes. But refuse to quit. Refuse to to give. Refuse to allow the enemy to rob you of your joy and of your peace. Rob you of what God wants to do in and through you because he loves you so much. In 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 9, and then we're going to read 14 through 18, Apostle Paul is speaking to the church of, of Corinthians, and he's reminding them, even though he, he's away, he's reminding them, listen, I've gone through a lot of tough things. You know, I've been stoned. I've been beaten with rods. I've been in prison. I've been shipwrecked. And all for the gospel that's benefiting you. So don't lose sight of that. Refuse to quit in serving God with all your heart. Refuse to quit in, in, in not doubting him. Don't, don't allow it. Don't allow it. Listen what 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 9. It says, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed and broken. We are perplexed, but don't give up and quit. This is Apostle Paul saying, I don't know what is going on here. My goodness, these are heavy troubles, but I'm not giving up and I'm not quitting. We are hunted down. God can never abandon us. You notice every time he tells what he's facing, he always has a comeback with who God is. We get knocked down, but we get up again and keep on going. Sometimes we just need to wake up in the morning and say, Lord, I'm going to serve you today. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm going to serve you today. Come on, you need to declare it. Speak to yourself. Allow the truth of the word of God, not only to rest on your mind and rest in your spirit, but let it come out of your mouth. Say, in the name of Jesus, I will have joy. In the name of Jesus, I will fulfill the purpose and the plans that God has for me because God is a sovereign God. He will never leave me or forsake me and I can trust him. I refuse to quit. 
Come on, many times we need to open our mouths with a determination. I refuse to quit. I refuse to doubt. I refuse to be critical and negative. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I receive your joy, your plans, your purpose for my future. We just got to forcefully, the, the Bible says, listen, some things, you just charge the gates of hell. You are not going to rob from me my joy. You are not going to rob from me my peace. You are not going to rob from me my destiny in the name of Jesus. Come on, be aggressive. Refuse to quit. Remember God's promises. Remember God's promises. And then in verse 14, of 2 Corinthians 4, 14, it says, We know the same God who raised our Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself along with you. All these things are for your benefit. When you and I refuse to quit in times of trouble, when you and I continue to say, I'm going to serve God no matter what, everybody that you come in contact with is going to be blessed by it. Your children, when you refuse to quit, if you don't even have grandchildren right now, but you're serving the Lord and you refuse to quit, their lives are going to be blessed by it because you're planting seeds into the kingdom of God and you're going to reap what you sow and so will they. Refuse to quit. Okay? All these things are for your benefit as God's grace brings more and more people to Christ. There will be a great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. Now listen to this, and oh, you're going to be blessed. This is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. From our present troubles are quite small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us an immeasurable great glory that will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see right now. Rather, we look forward to what we have not yet seen. For the troubles we see will soon be over, but the joys to come will last forever. Man, we can relate to this right now. Don't quit. Don't give up. Because the Lord says in James 1, 2 through 4, Dear brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, there's that word trouble again. Whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. For when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. I will not give up. I will not quit. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for anything. That's a promise, ready for anything. So I know that whenever those troubles come, okay, Lord, let's have, if we're in the presence of the Lord and we're not sleeping, but we're talking with him, we're in the word, we can look at that trouble with the perspective, okay, Lord, this did not come as a surprise to you. What are you going to do? What do you want me to do? How can I grow and continue to serve you? How can I grow and continue to serve you? My friends, hold on to the promises of God's word. Philippians 4, 19. If you know it, come on, say it with me. My God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. He's a sovereign God. Keep on serving him. He cannot fail you or forsake you. 
Deuteronomy 31.8, do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you or forsake you. You are not alone. And Jeremiah 37, for I will restore to you health and I will heal you of your wounds, declares the Lord. See, in the beginning, I asked you, who will you turn to for help when trouble comes? As you've heard the word of God, my friends, will you turn to God for help? We can. We have total access to him. We can trust him. We can depend upon him because he's a sovereign God. He sees troubles. He tells us they're going to come. But he's saying, listen, I'm going to give you victory. I've already won the victory on the cross. But by my spirit in you, you can endure. You will grow. Sometimes troubles, they're not fun. They're not, no one wants to have a party when a trouble is there. But if you don't give up, and you just keep on going. You keep on hanging on to the word of God. You keep on declaring and opening your mouth. God will never leave me or forsake me. You will grow and you will come out of that trouble because God loves you. And he's not going to abandon you. He's not going to forsake you, but he's going to be right there with you saying, come on, my son. Come on, my daughter. I have something greater and bigger in store for you. Because just as Peter, James, and John were my witnesses of some troubles, were my witnesses, you are my witnesses by my spirit of how big and how great I am. And I'm right there with you. Amen. Oh, how he loves us. Would you agree with that? Oh, how he loves us. Come on, come on. Would you stand to your feet? Let's go talk to him this evening. Let's go talk to him. How precious, how precious he is. Holy Spirit, we come to you right now. Holy Spirit, you know if there's any troubles that are operating in our lives, and our family's lives. You know when there's difficulty. You know when there's issues. And Holy Spirit, we need you. We need your wisdom. We need your counsel. Holy Spirit, we need you right now. If you say, Dixie, I'm going through some major troubles in my life, but I do not know. I don't know of God as you're talking about. That's your first place to begin. He desires for you to accept him and to know him. So if you say, Dixie, I don't know him. I, I, I need him in my life. I need him as my Lord and Savior. I need him. Right now, let's go to the Lord. And just, and just with the sincerity of your heart, say, Jesus, I believe in you. I recognize my need for you in my life as a sinner. God, I ask that you forgive me of my sin. That you come and live inside of my heart to be my Lord and Savior.
Father, I receive your forgiveness for my life. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Right now, if you say, man, Dixie, I can identify there are some difficulties. There are some issues. There are some situations. And the troubles can be really heavy. But how many of you know we have a sovereign God? Let's go to him right now. Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. God, you know every heart. You know every mind. You know every soul that is heavy with some troubles here in this building or watching online. And Lord God, we go to you right now, calling on your name. Father, asking, God, we need your provisions. We need your provisions in our finances. God, we need your healing in our families. God, we need your provisions. And God, because you are a sovereign God, we believe in you and we trust you that no matter what troubles that come our way, we know that you are able because you are our healer. You are our provider. You are our protector. And Father God, we ask right now for you to intervene in our family's life. Intervene, God. Come. We need you. We need you like never before. Holy Spirit, I ask right now that as we go through trials and, and difficulties and, and, and these troubles, Lord, I ask in the name of you that your grace would rest upon each person in here. God, that your grace would rest upon them for strength. God, that your grace would rest upon them. Not to respond in unkindness, not to respond flippantly, but Lord God, your grace would rest upon every family member. Lord, your grace would rest upon us, Lord God, as we will not quit, as we will not give up in trusting you, depending upon you with our lives in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you and we praise you for who you are. Continue to grow us, Lord God. May your grace rest upon us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 He loves you. Oh, how he loves you. Guys, we're here for you. If you need anything, if you're watching, please let us know how we can help you and walk with you through it. God bless. You're dismissed.